is here. Let's do this. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today. A DFS, Frank Stanfield, joined by Mike McClure and Sina Jha. Today on the podcast, we're going to deep dive each game on the main slate. We'll have my dad's sneaky DFS picks. And of course, we'll wrap up with the cheat sheet at the end. Our favorite value, Chalk, Contrarian, and Stack here in Week 16. How are we doing, Mike? How are you feeling about this slate, given everything that's going on? We've got COVID, opening up a ton of value. Lots going on. How are you feeling? A lot going on. Uh, I feel good about it. I love every DFS slate, though. Um, but I, I do like this one. There are a few obvious plays, some really, really, really good spots, some interesting decisions to make closer to game day as we get COVID testing results, frankly. But I think it's shaping up to be an incredible weekend to be playing tournaments in smaller fields, like single, three, and five max entry stuff. I think it's the best weekend of the season for you in that stuff. All right. See, how, how are you feeling? Uh, do you feel a similar way here about week 16? I mean, I feel like that every single week, but it doesn't always come <laughs> to fruition. But no, I, I really do. I, I think and I I hopefully that'll inure to my benefit because I only play single entry in three max other than some of the double upside plays. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this week. I, I actually I, I don't know how to say this. I want to make sure I, I say this the right way. But the way that sort of the COVID news has broken I, to me it has made the slate kind of more fun because, and I always think it's more fun. I don't want to say we necessarily have an advantage, but I think it's more fun when value opens up at the bottom because you can kind of build these elite teams. And we already knew before a lot of this COVID news, we already knew that we were going to be, at least a lot of us were going to be stacking elite receivers up top and, and kind of like paying low for running backs, but we weren't really going much lower than like your James Robinsons of the world and, and things of that nature. Now we can really dip low and we'll go into it in this show. And, and that's going to allow us to maybe, you know, pay up for guys like Mark Andrews or, or pay up for two to three elite wide receivers or pay up at quarterback. So there's still choices. There's still options for everybody to, fail with or succeed with, but it makes it a lot more fun now that we have all of these opportunities available to us. I'm sure someone did this before Mike McClure did, but I just associate paying down at running back and spending up at wide receiver as the Mike McClure method. So uh, I'm sure that we're going to be doing a lot more of that here in week 16. And speaking of which, it's an 11 11 game main slate. We've got a two game slate on Saturday. We have a short podcast coming out. It's already up on YouTube as well. So make sure to check that out. Uh, Once again, zero games with a 50 point total on the slate. The highest currently the Rams and Vikings at 48 and a half. We have two double digit spreads. The Bucks are minus 10 at the Panthers. The Chargers are laying 10 points at the Texans. Just below that threshold, we have the Eagles minus nine and a half hosting the New York Giants. Whole lot of COVID going on. The biggest names include the Chiefs, of course, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Still a chance that these guys can get back in time for Sunday. We've also got some big name running backs on the COVID list. Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler, which has pretty much completely changed the slate. So lots of value. We've got some tough decisions coming up because all of a sudden we have a ton of value running backs that uh, we could play here on the slate. Let's start with the Rams at the Vikings. The Rams are three-point favorites with a 48.5 point total. All odds come via the Caesar Sportsbook. And on the Rams side of things, they still have six players on the COVID list, including Tyler Higby and safety Jordan Fuller. I would guess that Higby can make it back in time. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, And then for the Vikings, Dalvin Cook was placed on the COVID list on Thursday. And Adam Thielen practiced on Thursday. So that changes things a little bit here for the Vikings as well. And it appears to me that there are four main value running backs on the slate now, which include Alexander Madison, James Robinson, Ronald Jones, and Justin Jackson. Mike, we'll start with you. Is Alexander Madison at the top of that list? He is 
6,800, and he has 25-plus touches in each of his three starts this season. Yeah, I think he is at the top of it, and it, it really changes the dynamic of the slate. So it drastically, in my opinion, drops his teammate Justin Jefferson's ownership because of his salary and the position that he plays there. But it elevates Cooper Cup a little bit. And the reason it elevates him is because it's a very natural bring back game stack environment. So it really solidifies where Cup's ownership is going to be. Um, but yeah, I like him a lot. I, I think that we're going to see pretty big ownership on both of these guys, especially if you mentioned the Kansas City side. If neither of those guys are able to play and we have Kansas City value receivers, um, yeah, it's going to be the Madison show for sure. He's near the top for me. Um, probably my favorite at this point. It's going to depend on a few other pieces of news, but at 6,800, I mean, his role and his upside, you're still getting a seventy-five dollars to $8,000 player. Yeah, and look, just talking about him and Cooper Cup, you mentioned their ownership levels. As of now projecting Cooper Cup to be the highest owned player on the slate at 31%. And we were talking beforehand, you think that number could actually climb, Mike? Alexander Madison checking in at 21%. So two of the top five most owned players on the slate here in this game. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, see, I'm assuming that you are on board here with Alexander Madison as well. Does he rank at the top of that value running back list for you when it comes to him, James Robinson, Ronald Jones, Justin Jackson? Yeah, you know, from a value standpoint, I don't know that he ranks at the top just because his price is kind of elevated. It's a little higher than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. Um, I like Ronald Jones quite a bit, uh, although I, I am a little worried about how much work he's going to actually get. But I do like Ronald Jones a little bit. And then if Eckler is actually out, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Justin Jackson is the guy to take Eckler's place. And, you know, recently when we saw that, he looked pretty good. So, I mean, I... I really like all of these guys, frankly, frankly, from a value standpoint. I don't know that I have uh, Madison at the top of that list, though. All right, yeah. Justin Jackson, we'll get to him a little bit later on, but uh, in Week 15, he had 14 touches, 13 rushes for 86 yards. He, he looked pretty good in that game against the Kansas City Chiefs. How are we looking to stack this game? Uh, obviously, it's loaded. You mentioned it's pretty natural to stack Cooper Cup and Alexander Madison in the same game. Mike, are you looking to play either of the quarterbacks and Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins? And if you are, uh, which pass catchers and, and who are you trying to bring it back with? Yeah, I mean, like all of them are in play. This is a game where you could stack it a number of different ways. So for me, what I would be doing in this game is in cash games, primary optimal lineup, like it's almost definitely going to have Cooper Cup, Alexander Madison, like using an optimizer, that's what's going to get spit out most of the time this week. So what I would do personally in a tournament, because there are a number of ways to play it, I would just simply go opposite. I would pick one of the Rams running backs, whether it's Sonny Michelle at 5,500, and then I would play Justin Jefferson. Jefferson is going to see his ownership drop because of the Madison play, because of Adam Thielen returning. However, I still think it's a, obviously a great spot for him. It's obviously a spot we know his upside at any given time. So that's what I would do in a tournament. Still take advantage of the overall, get exactly opposite of what you're doing in the cash game or with your optimal lineup, and you're likely to hit one of the two. And if the game shoots out over the total, you're sitting in good shape with both of them for the most part. See, do you like playing either of the quarterbacks here? Matthew Stafford is 6,700. Kirk Cousins is 6,200. I know he's been dealing with a rib injury, but he was full practice on Thursday. Uh, and of course, we have those secondary Rams wide receivers that are pretty affordable. Van Jefferson is 5,500. Odell Beckham, 5,300 over on DraftKings. How are you looking to stack this game up? Absolutely no issue with the Stafford to Cooper Cup stack. It's definitely one of my favorite stacks. It'll likely be pretty popular too. Um, and, you know, kind of expensive, but... 
in my it, for my money, it's there's there's certainly still value there. I, I think the upside against Minnesota's secondary specifically is pretty tremendous. As long as Stafford has some time to throw, uh, I think he's going to hit all three of these receivers. Um, I'm not so big on Higby, but I think Cup. I think a double stack is certainly in play with Cup and either Van Jefferson or Odell Beckham. I would probably lean Odell Beckham there, but I think Stafford to Cup with a bring back of Madison or Jefferson makes plenty of sense. And I totally agree with Mike on the, you know, single entry three max or any sort of tournament side, you are probably going to be looking to maybe fade Madison and and bring out Justin Jefferson. There's so many narratives going against, I mean, people are still going to play him, but there's so many narratives going against him. Not only what Mike said, but also you have Jalen Ramsey on the other side and the perception that he might shadow or just be on him for a significant a portion of that game. Frankly, I don't think Jalen Ramsey can cover Justin Jefferson. And if he does, I think he'll be committing PI more often than not, which is to the detriment of anybody who's rostering Jefferson. But I could still see Jefferson beating Ramsey and, and racking up well over 100 yards in this game. Yeah, this isn't to disparage Jalen Ramsey at all because he is still one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. But I just don't think that anybody can hang with Justin Jefferson right now in terms of man-to-man coverage. So I'm right there with you uh, in terms of playing him in this spot. And again, for the Rams running backs, if you're looking to kind of do something contrarian in the spot, Sony Michelle is $200 cheaper than Daryl Henderson. And of course, in that Tuesday game against the Seattle Seahawks, Sony Michelle had 20 touches. Daryl Henderson only had eight touches in that game. So keep that in mind here in the spot. The Chargers at the Texans. The Chargers are 10-point favorites with a 46-point total. The Chargers have 11 players on the COVID list, including Austin Eckler, Joey Bosa, Jalen Guyton, and uh, Donald Parham did not practice on Thursday either. For the Texans, 15 players on the COVID list, including Brandon Cooks, and then David Johnson did not practice on Thursday with a quad injury. Uh, So, we talked, we mentioned his name already a few times, Justin Jackson. He's only 4,200. Mike, you're going to have to make a decision, I think, particularly in cash games, right? If you want to play Madison, if you want to play James Robinson, Rojo, Justin Jackson, one of those guys are left out. Do you have a lean as of now as, as of which one of those guys are fading? As of right now, uh, Jackson might be the one I'm fading, but I could definitely work my way back into that, uh, that discussion later. Depends on what kind of news we get. But as of right now, I'm playing James Robinson against the Jets. Uh, I'm playing Madison, and I'm probably going to end up on Ronald Jones. Um, I think Ronald Jones could see... I'm very fascinated to see where the market goes on his ownership. Uh, if we're more jamming Antonio Brown and not Ronald Jones, I'm in the camp that wants to play both personally because I do think that they'll both be heavily, heavily involved. Um, the thing that I will mention here, if you're not going to play Justin Jackson, I think we could consider, as long as make sure I'm not misspeaking and having him on the injury report, uh, what about Joshua Kelly? Is he active for – he should be active, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind yeah. of interested in him. In the last game we saw, he's still you know seven, uh, seven carries in the last game against Kansas City. 10 in week 14 against the Giants. Um, you know, if he's going to get 10 to 15 touches, I think he could be an interesting pivot away from Jackson if you're not sold on Jackson. I would only do that in like single entry or three max tournaments where you're really, really applying the leverage on it. But I think it's an interesting way to get different. The only other comment on that too is if you really want to get crazy, uh, you could potentially play both of them as they both should have a ton of ton of workload. Um, but uh, he's definitely on my radar. Joshua Kelly is. Yeah, look, it's just a fantastic matchup going up against the Texans. Big favorites here, even though they're on the road. The Texans allowing 4.86 yards per carry. 
to running backs this season. That's the second most in the NFL. Joshua Kelly is 4K over on DraftKings, which is the min price for running backs. So uh, another name there that you can look at. See, we're going to stick with the Chargers here. Justin Herbert is 7,200. Keenan Allen is 7,700. I figure, you know, that, that's just a natural stack, whether you want to play them together or you want to play Keenan Allen by himself. I think that those guys are, are going to be pretty popular. What is your favorite way to stack the Chargers side in here? They have the highest implied team total on the slate here, right around 28 points. Obviously, we have Mike Williams. We have Jared Cook. Uh, Josh Palmer, maybe he kind of works his way back in here with Jalen Guyton on the COVID list. So what do you think about the Chargers? Yeah, not particularly interested in the punts, but I, I really like a stack here, which includes the running back. So I'm going to be playing Justin Jackson, I think, in most of my lineups. This all assumes that Eckler is definitely out, of course. I just love the value. It just seems like a free square to me. Even if Joshua Kelly, to Mike's point, has a good game, maybe gets uh, more targets than I expect in, in some goal line run. I still think Justin Jackson against Houston specifically has has a great game. So I might do a stack with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, which is relatively expensive, but then I get the salary relief by throwing in Justin Jackson to that stack as well. So uh, I'm not going to be afraid to uh, correlate Herbert with Justin Jackson and Keenan Allen. Uh, I like that stack quite a bit. I mean, this is one of those games where it could get out of hand. Uh, I mean, Davis Mills has been playing pretty good football, so it might not get out of hand, and, and it's in Houston. But if there's any sort of back and forth here, this game really could produce some major fireworks. And even if it doesn't, with the stack that I suggested, you would imagine that after Herbert does all his damage, presuming it's Herbert, that Justin Jackson's going to get the benefit later in the game. Yeah, and just based on the way this game is projecting in terms of workflow right now, the Chargers could wind up wind up with something like 25 to 30 running back carries. And if that's the case, that's going to be enough for both Justin Jackson and and Joshua Kelly to, to get work here in this spot. Uh, speaking of those four running backs, again, they're all projecting for over 21% ownership as of now, and uh, they represent the four highest-owned running backs on the slate. See, you mentioned that you're going to play Justin Jackson in most of your lineups. That means you've got to fade one of those running backs that, that we've been talking about so far. Which one are you most likely to fade? Madison, it, Robinson, Rojo, Jackson. It would either be, and, I, and I'll, I'm not going to decide right now, but it would either be Madison because of the price. It's just, it just more prohibitive to play him. And then I would end up playing Jefferson probably, which I understand is also very pricey. But again, to that tournament strategy, I would probably play Jefferson as a pivot off of Madison. Um, so it would either be Madison or, or James Robinson probably. I'm Right now, I'm leaning towards fading Madison though in All that right. scenario. Mike, do you like anyone on the Texan side? If Brandon Cooks doesn't play here, we do have Nico Collins at 3,400, so figures to be on the field a lot. You know, they're playing from behind. Maybe he sees some targets, but I think more than anything, it probably just brings down the efficiency of the Texans' offense. Yeah, no, I'm not interested at all there, really. Um, it, it'd be Chargers, and honestly, I'm most likely to do, if I'm like really investing in the Chargers, I'm most likely to do exactly what Sia said, and that's just full-on onslaught, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, one of the running backs. We're going to cover the majority of the Chargers scoring. They put up 30 points in the game. You're likely sitting pretty. Uh, but the price point, you know, 3400 on the bring back would normally be attractive. But unless Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both play, I mean, you're going to have your pick of any of the Chiefs' three wide receivers that are all 3500 3, or below. Uh, I'd much rather have that. All right, let's move on to the – go ahead, Sia. No, I was going to say, and this is so puntish, uh, like I'm, I'm almost sorry that I'm even bringing it up. But if Brandon Cooks is out, I just want to point out that if you're not single entry, but if you're in a bigger tournament and you just you need a 3K receiver that might have some upside, Philip Dorsett has gotten three targets over the last two games. And again, if Brandon Cooks is out, he could be sort of like 
at least simulate the deep threat portion of what Brandon Cooks usually does. If he ends up getting four or five targets and he catches one long bomb, 3K in a game, again, where, where you're expecting an elevated score in a negative game script, Mills to Dorsett isn't something that's completely out of the question. All right, let's Super move on. Punch-ish. Let's move on to the battle for first place in the AFC North. The Ravens at the Bengals. The Bengals are three-point favorites with a 45-point total in this game. Uh, Lamar Jackson did not practice on Thursday. He didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. And then for the Bengals, Joe Mixon is dealing with an ankle injury but was a full participant both on Wednesday and Thursday in practice. And... Mike, we'll start with you. I feel like every week you're either talking up Lamar Jackson or uh, how we should have played Tyler Huntley. But uh, are you interested in whoever starts at quarterback here for Baltimore? Lamar is 6,900. Tyler Huntley is priced up a little bit now at 6K. Yep. Uh, By far my favorite game of the week. I love both sides of it. I played the over in the game already. Uh, Gave that out on the sports line early edge and our mega preview earlier today. Uh, I love both sides. Um, Mark Andrews, obviously, I'll still continue to play him. I like Tyler Huntley. Uh, I assume that he's going to end up starting in this one based on what we've seen in the market. I like Joe Burrow. Uh, he's pretty cheap as well. I think this is a great spot. So I also talked about this on the uh, the Sportsline show. The Baltimore Ravens, out of their 53 active man roster, they currently only have 15 of those players on defense, and three of them are injured and potentially not going to play in this game. They have 12 healthy, active players to play defense currently as of Thursday. They will be doing some call-ups. They will be playing people who are potentially not 100%. Um, I think this game turns into a shootout. I think there's garbage time on either side, depending on how the game goes early. So I love it. Um, I love Jamar Chase again. Hollywood Brown, I think we have to talk about with Huntley in there last week. 14 targets, 10 catches, only 43 yards. Last time he played the Bengals, I believe he had the same exact game Low, uh, 14 targets, only five receptions for 80 and one. But the way that they're going to defend, it's going to be a lot of Hollywood Brown, a lot of Marquis or a lot of uh, Mark Andrews. I love Jamar Chase on the other side. I think a lot of people will play Higgins. Makes a lot of sense. I'm going to go up to uh, Jamar Chase here. I think he finally busts open and have a pretty big game in this one. So. Yeah. I think it would make sense, too, because the last time he played the Ravens, he went off over 200 yards and a touchdown in that game. So I'm with you. I don't have a problem stacking either side. If you want to go Tyler Huntley double stacks with Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown, bring it back with a Jamar Chase. If you want to stack Joe Burrow, he's only 5,900 on DraftKings, and he had his best game of the season against the Baltimore Ravens, 416 passing yards, three touchdowns in that game. So even on that side, if you want to go Burrow, Chase Higgins, bring it back with a Mark Andrews. Uh, And then obviously we have enough running back value with Ronald Jones and Justin Jackson where it's pretty easy to pull off a lineup like that. So Sia, what are you thinking? Obviously there are multiple ways to stack this game. What is your favorite? Yeah, I I love, I love what uh, Mike suggested. You can certainly stack it on both sides. I mean, I, I don't know how I say anything against just playing Huntley with Mark Andrews or or Marquise Brown, but particularly Andrews after last week. But I do like the Joe Burrow side, and I do agree that Jamar Chase against this secondary could really get deep often, frankly. And in, in a two-touchdown game, again, you could have a zero-touchdown game and, you know, 50 yards. But a two-touchdown game isn't out of the question for any of these receivers. And I think Jamar Chase, if you were going to have a super high-ceiling game, I think – in this matchup, it would probably be Jamar Chase. So Burrow to Chase is certainly in play for me with the bring back of Mark Andrews. All of that is is pretty expensive, although Burrow is pretty much a bargain at 5,900. I mean, if if Burrow was 6,800, I wouldn't blink at that. So clearly you're getting a bargain there. 
Um, I do want to point out that it the, Mixon doesn't get targets, so I wouldn't I wouldn't include Mixon in a stack. But and I know we're going to cover him, but I do like Mixon as a slightly contrarian play with all the value that we have on this slate. I think a lot of people are going to ignore Mixon a because of the value, but b because he was coming off kind of a an injury that he's kind of fought off late in the game. But I think people are still a little concerned about that. I think he's an interesting play in tournaments, not in cash. Yeah, no, that was going to be my next question there. So I'm happy you brought him up. He's 6,900 on DraftKings, and he's been playing through this ankle injury. I think it's affected his play somewhat, 10.4 DK points or less in three straight games. But I think as a result of that, you're going to get him at lower ownership in a pretty friendly game environment here uh, with the Bengals and the Ravens. Mike, you mentioned on Tuesday's podcast, you kind of like CJ Uzama at 2K. Do you still like him? Yeah, I do. Um, whether it's you can play him with either quarterback, but if you're playing Joe Burrow, I do like stacking him and Jamar Chase. Still playing Mark Andrews, uh, so you'll be using Mark or Uzoma at the flex spot, but definitely like doubling up there because I know that that will not be a popular build. Um, but I again, at this point, we're not treating Mark Andrews, especially the way that they're playing. You can guarantee that they're likely to be a neutral or trailing game script, which is going to be targets all day long. Uh, just because of the way their defense plays. Their defense is terrible right now. Um, we're treating Mark Andrews as a wide receiver. He's just flat out a wide receiver. And yeah, I like it. I'll play both of them for sure. The one thing, Frank, I do want to point out, th- these two teams do operate at a, a relatively slower pace. And that might have something to do with why the the total is only 45 instead of you know 47 or 48. I'm not really super concerned about that because I agree with Mike that both both these teams could go off. It's a super important AFC North game too, by the way. But uh, I just kind of wanted to point that out. I mean, if, if it's moving at kind of a slower pace than some of these other high total games, there's a reason for that. They operate at a pretty slow pace. Let's move on to the Bills at the Patriots. The Patriots are two and a half point favorites, 43 and a half point total here. Another really important game. The Bills would move into a tie for first place in the AFC East if they can manage to win in this spot. And speaking of the Bills, they have four players on the COVID list, including Cole Beasley. We know that he's unvaccinated, so will not be eligible to play this week. Emmanuel Sanders was a full participant in practice on Thursday. And then for the Patriots, five players on the COVID list, including Kendrick Bourne. Damian Harris returned to practice on Wednesday. Ramondre Stevenson did not practice on Thursday. Let's start with the Bills passing attack. Uh, I think you'll get lower ownership uh, than you probably should when it comes to Josh Allen and and the Bills pass catchers here. But the question is whether or not you actually want to play them. The Patriots defense is still very good. Uh, Josh Allen is 7,500. We have Stephon Diggs, who is pretty expensive as well, up at 7,600. And then we have uh, Gabriel Davis coming off that huge game. He's 4,700. And Emmanuel Sanders all the way down at 4K. Mike, do you have any interest here in the Bills passing attack? Yeah, I have a lot of interest here. Um, And it's mostly with Stephon Diggs in tournaments. Uh, Single entry spot. I think it's a good spot for Buffalo here. I mean, it's obviously a game that they really need to win. Um, no one's going to play him. He's 7600 $100 more than Deontay Johnson. Um, you know, you're not you – probably Jamar Chase is going to be more popular. $100 less than Keenan Allen. Like, everyone's going to play Keenan Allen in that spot. So it's a spot that I don't think anyone's really going to play Josh Allen, especially when you've got teammate Gabriel Davis, who's playing well right now and obviously a lot cheaper. Um, so I, I love Josh Allen in tournaments. It'll be a standalone play. Um, just one where it's likely the lineup that I fade Cooper cup, frankly, that's where I would play him. So I'd be looking to play a lineup in a tournament. That's like Deontay Johnson, Jamar chase and Stefan Diggs. just three guys that can have absolute ceiling games. That's where I would kind of fade Cooper cup. If I was going to do it, um, 
so yeah, I like him there. The as far as Gabriel Davis, that's the most fascinating play for me this week because of the Antonio Brown situation. Antonio Brown is 4,900 and going to get a lot of ownership and attention, and rightfully so. He's really good, and he has a lot of chemistry with Tom Brady. Going to have all the opportunity in the world. So what's going to be fascinating to me, based on how the COVID reports shake out over the next you know 48 hours, what does that look like? If there's some scenario where um, Davis is way lower than Antonio Brown, then there's a chance that I'll be making that pivot and playing Davis because I, I've already teased the uh, the Bills in some of my bets, so I got them up to plus eight and a half in teasers. I, I think it's a competitive game. It's not going to shock me at all if they beat the Patriots. All right, yeah. I mean, the, the early projections that we're looking at in terms of ownership, they have Antonio Brown at 19.5%. They have Gabriel Davis all the way down at 3% ownership. So if that holds throughout the course of the weekend, then, yeah, we're looking at a massive difference between those two there. Uh, Sia, what do you think about the the Bills passing attack here? I would, Gabriel Davis, that's exactly the one that I was going to ask you about. Mike t- uh, spoke about it a little bit here, but the price point is still very fair, and it seems like he's almost operating as this team's wide receiver too right now. He is. And if the ownership stays down, I'm I'm super interested. I mean, it, listen, it's a bad matchup against New England for a variety of ways, especially for Stefan Diggs if he sees a lot of J.C. Jackson. But again, that's why people aren't going to play him. We know Diggs has a ceiling game regardless of who's covering him. So I actually like that play as leverage off some of those more popular receivers up in that top uh, elite range. As far as Gabriel Davis, you know, the first thing I thought of when you said Emmanuel Sanders was you know, a full at practice on Thursday was like, oh no, here we go again. But the good news is, is, you know, Cole Beasley isn't playing. So likely Gabriel Davis is going to be playing the slot and Emmanuel Sanders will just stay outside like he normally does along with Stefan Diggs. So, you know, normally I'd be like, oh no, you know, Sanders is going to be on the field way more than Gabriel Davis, but they actually need both on the field at the same time. So at least for the most part, that's what they'll be doing. So I think Gabriel Davis is a really smart pivot off of Antonio Brown. Or if if you want to play both, he's still a good leverage play if he's going to be somewhere in the 5% or lower range. Even if he's like 6 or 7%, I think he's a pretty smart play. So I definitely have some interest in Davis. I mean, the only, the only problem is if I'm playing Davis and Antonio Brown, then I'm not doing what I said at the beginning, which is paying up for multiple uh, wide receivers. So I'm going to have to reconcile that. I think I like Antonio Brown over Gabriel Davis in cash, but in tournaments, if I had to choose between the two right now, it would be Gabriel Davis. All right. I'm going to go right back to you here. See, I believe you mentioned this gentleman's name on Tuesday's podcast, Devin Singletary, another natural pivot off of a different Tampa Bay buck, Ronald Jones. They're both 5,100 over on DraftKings and Devin Singletary had 22 carries last week. Obviously this hinges on Zach Moss being inactive, but I think based on the way things have trended the past couple of weeks, that you know, we should expect that again here in week 16. Yeah. And the, I mean, I, I absolutely expect that. The question is what type of production will he get and, and how much are they, are they actually going to lean on him in this game relative to last game? You know, it's not like new England is, is some world beater when it comes to stopping the run. So I, I think there might be room for Devin Singletary. I think the ceiling's still kind of low, especially in such an important game. I, I question how much they utilize Devin Singletary in the red zone versus just calling plays for Josh Allen. So it's not one of my favorite plays. I don't think I'm really going to get there with Devin Singletary, but it's certainly an interesting leverage play. My guess is there's going to be better leverage plays off of like guys like that are popular, like Ronald Jones, for example. The Patriots are allowing 4.61 yards per carry to running backs this season. That's third most in the NFL behind only the Steelers and the Houston Texans. Mike, how are we feeling about the Patriots side of things? 
personally, I really like Damian Harris. If things just kind of stay the way that they are right now, if Ramondre Stevenson can't play in the spot, you talk about all these running backs in this you know sub-6K range, and I think Damian Harris is another leverage play. He had an awesome game against the Bills last time they played in Week 13. Obviously, there, you know, there was weather. There was a whole bunch of wind going on there. He went over 100 rushing yards in that game on only 10 carries, and he also had a touchdown, and he was playing with a bum hamstring too. So I, I like Damian Harris quite a bit, 5,600. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I don't mind it. It's not where I'm looking to go, but the same idea. Um, so I'm looking to the Kansas City running backs for mostly the same reason as potential pivots, just because I think they have a little more upside in the passing game. I don't think there's a ton of upside in the passing game for Damian Harris. Could be wrong on that, but we really haven't seen it. I don't think he has more than two catches in a game all season. Um, that's the only thing, though. I like the, I like where your head is at, frankly. I think it's a really good spot to do it. Um, I'm just going to use the exact same reasoning and go to the Kansas City backs because I don't think that there's going to be a drastic difference in ownership between the two. Um, could be wrong on that, but yeah, if you think if Stevenson's going to end up ruled out, I think that. I personally think Stevenson's probably going to be able to play. I know that the illness he's dealing with is non-COVID related, so I would think that you know by Sunday that he's probably well enough to suit up and, and play. But if he's not, certainly Damian Harris is one of those backs that I think offers a very interesting uh, a pivot in this spot. See, so, do you like any of the Patriots pass catchers? Jacoby Myers is 4,900. Hunter Henry coming off a very big game, 4,700. And last thing I'll mention, the Pats DST is is popping up in a few optimizers. They are 2,900 here. Yeah, not a not a big fan of any of those guys. I, I, Hunter Henry, I mean, he had such a nice game. I, I think that's an interesting, you know, pivot off maybe some other popular tight ends at 4,700. But I'm not interested in the in the wide receivers at all. I'll keep it short there. All right. The Bucks at the Panthers. The Bucks are 10-point favorites with a 43-point total. Chris Godwin was placed on the IR. Leonard Fournette is doubtful for this game. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, safety Antoine Winfield, and linebacker Levante David did not practice Thursday. And then for the Panthers, they uh, placed their starting right guard, Pat Elfline, on the COVID list Thursday. DJ Moore did not practice on Thursday. Cam Newton will start in this game, but apparently Sam Darnold is going to play as well. I would be surprised if we see Mike Evans play. I mean, he hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday. He's dealing with that hamstring injury. And I'm a little worried about Antonio Brown. The fact that he didn't practice Thursday, we'll see what happens on Friday for him. I know that the price is obviously very enticing, and he has that chemistry with Tom Brady. I'm a little bit more worried about Antonio Brown. So, um, see, we'll start with you this time. How likely are you guys to play uh, any of the values here. Obviously, Brown, Ronald Jones, 5,100. Uh, are you looking to pivot to Tyler Johnson now with this uh, AB not practicing news? Well, let's keep an eye on Antonio Brown. I do anticipate he'll play. And if he does, I think he'll be a full go. If if he doesn't, I don't know that I'm pivoting to Tyler Johnson. I, I actually might just avoid this game from a, um, a stack or a receiver standpoint and just go right to Ronald Jones because I think Antonio Brown is kind of critical to Tom Brady's success, at least for this game. Um, I like the idea of it's not my favorite stack like it usually is. I like the idea of stacking Tom Brady with Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski for sure. Uh, I just think those are going to be his most leaned on targets. And and I, I do see a scenario where and it's not something I'm predicting, but I do see a scenario where Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn potentially split enough that if they don't get in the end zone, then they're not they're not really hitting their value like we would want them to. So yeah, I like a Tom Brady stack, but honestly, on my, my favorite thing on this side of the ball is going to be Ronald Jones. 
I, I just pulled up the practice report for the Bucks too. And Antonio Brown, it turns out that he was limited in practice Thursday. Mm-hmm. So makes you feel a little bit better about him. Again, 4900 uh, It's a great price tag over on DraftKings there. And let's move on to... Let's just talk about Tom Brady. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about Tom Brady? I, even though he's missing, obviously, Godwin, and I, I expect Mike Evans to be out here, would you be interested in maybe stacking him with Gronk? I, I think that we probably see an enhanced role here for Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's going to be... You can play Gronk if you want to. Um, I'm not going to get to Gronk. I think he's fine. I would only really do it in like single entry type tournaments. But my interest here with Tom Brady is almost identical to the Chargers situation. So how I would play Tom Brady is I would play him if Antonio Brown is in and only if Antonio Brown is in because we can. I think you can count on that chemistry to be there. Um, they're just they're very good at what they do together. So I would stack Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, and Ronald Jones, and then basically just be betting the equivalent of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team total over. Um, you can count on most of the the passing work going to Antonio Brown, maybe outside of the red zone. He'll obviously be involved in the red zone, but I would expect most of it between the 20s looking in his direction. Ronald Jones moving the ball. You might miss out on touchdowns with Gronk by not playing him, but you'll, you should obviously get a piece of it through Tom Brady. But much like the Chargers, that's how I would be deploying it. Um, I, I would stack it with the running back, bet on the Bucks to score 30 points, and, and kind of call it a day. Mike, are you looking to bring it back with uh, DJ Moore? He's 5,700. I know that you brought his name up on Tuesday's podcast. He didn't practice again on Thursday. Yeah, I'm very worried about him not practicing again there. I'm also worried about the situation and kind of the reason why I'm off Tom Brady just a little bit. You know, I... I don't trust Carolina and what they're going to do here. I don't trust whether it's going to be Cam Newton. They said Cam Newton and Sam Darnold are both going to play. Uh, That just doesn't sound good to me. So, um, like I said, it's going to be just like the Chargers situation. I don't think I'm going to be getting to the bring back here. I think it's going to be most likely scenario when Tom Brady has a great game. It's just that they absolutely roll. The defense puts them in short fields. Tom Brady says enough of it. I'm getting the touchdown passes. I'm not handing the ball off at this point. So that's where I would be playing it. And based on the value that's opened up, I don't think that it's necessary to jam in a bring back in this one. All right. The only other Panthers player that slightly caught my eye was uh, Amir Abdullah as a punt running back. He's 4,500. He has four plus targets in six of his last seven games. Uh, See real quick. Anything on the Panthers side for you? I like that one. I, I actually liked Amir Abdullah a little bit last week, if you recall. And this is certainly the type of game script where you know he could certainly be successful. So I, I don't mind that. Other than that, I know Mike mentioned DJ Moore uh, on the Tuesday show, or I should say it was Wednesday in this case. I think that's fine. I definitely think there's upside there and certainly going to be a negative game script. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get there, but that would be the only other guy I'd consider on that side. Yeah, I, I realize I keep saying the Tuesday podcast. Meanwhile, we just recorded it yesterday. All the days are just kind of blending together at this point in the NFL season. So mm-hmm. uh, apologies there. You want to compete against us? You can do so over on DraftKings. We have our FFT DFS contest, 150 entries, $5 to enter. The top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description if you'd like to join. And if you listen to this podcast on Spotify, you could actually leave ratings now on Spotify podcast. So if you are listening to us there, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We've got five games down. We've got six more to go. We'll do that here on Fantasy Football Today DFS. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's move on to the Lions at Falcons. The Falcons are five and a half point favorites with a 43 point total. The Lions have three players on the COVID list, including their quarterback, Jared Goff. Uh, he still has a chance to, bl- uh, to play if he can't go. We're looking at one of David Blau or Tim Boyle as the starting quarterback. DeAndre Swift was on the field for Thursday's practice, but did not participate in a receiving slash ball security drill. And then for the Falcons, Tajay Sharp. And linebacker Deion Jones did not practice on Wednesday. Mike, if if golf is out, do we just eliminate all of the Lions from the player pool in the spot? Uh, I mostly will be. Like, I think Amandra St. Brown is still not going to have the ownership that he should if the uh, if everything shakes out the way it's looking like it will. Uh, if I was to do that, I would honestly pair Russell Gage on the other side and just let the game turn into a shootout, hopefully. But I'm a little concerned. I, Having said that, um, depending on who's playing quarterback, I would consider being off of Amandra St. Brown. Like if golf is out, then yes, I, I'm pretty much off the game completely just because they're very healthy at running back now. Uh, looks like Swift and Williams are both returning. Uh, they've been playing without both of those guys. So you add in that and the fact that the quarterback could potentially be out, Totally off of it. If Jared Goff is in, then I do like him on St. Brown. Um, won't be in any of my lineups, but I would recommend other people do it. I only play five lineups on a main slate, but if I were playing, you know, 20 lineups or more, I would definitely have a lineup with Amandra St. Brown and Russell Gage on the other side. Yeah, I think if Goff is in, I would be interested in DeAndre Swift, assuming that he plays as well. He's 6,300. I would you know, pay attention to reports and make sure that he's not going to be limited in any way in this game. But if he's out there and he's playing, you know, we know what his upside could be. He could catch, you know, five plus passes, 20 touches. Obviously, they use DeAndre Swift in, in the red zone as well. So, yeah, I see two Falcons that I think are under consideration here. Corderell Patterson is 6,700. Really strong matchup here against the Lions. And Russell Gage, I remember, it seems like a month ago at this point, you were like the first person I heard talking about Russell Gage. And he's been awesome. 11 plus targets in, in two of his last three games. And he's really come on strong here. Do you have any interest in either CPAT or Russell Gage? I think my interest, I think Russell Gage, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to jump on there. I feel like I might be chasing points with Russell Gage at this point, but I think a lot of people are going to be off Corderell Patterson. First of all, not everybody has really ever, you know, he's he hasn't commanded a lot of ownership week to week, so I shouldn't even say, you know, people are going to be off him necessarily. His price has been pretty prohibitive over the last month or so too, but I, I, I think the utilization has been down for Patterson, but it's still pretty good, and, and I expect it to tick up. Like last week, he had, I think he only had a couple targets. The weeks before that, he had about five, uh, and his rushing attempts have been down a little bit. But against Detroit, I could really see him exploding, and especially in the red zone, they utilize him quite a bit. So I think Patterson is a really sneaky play at 6,700 just because I don't think a lot of people will play him, especially with a total of 42.5. Just keep in mind, Atlanta's implied 
total there is 24, which, you know, is the better side of that 42 and a half by far. I mean, just to give you some perspective, let's see, uh, another somewhat high scoring game like the Tampa Bay, but well, that's a bad one because they're almost close to 27, but 24 isn't terrible on this slate is the point I'm trying to make. And if it all goes to Patterson and Gage, you know, that's, that's pretty solid. I, I think Patterson could have a big game. Yeah. The Falcons, you mentioned a near 24 point total here. The, the Bengals have a 24 point total and, and we you know, we like the Bengals quite a bit as well. So yeah, uh, I think, you know, the offense should be pretty condensed between Cordero Patterson and Russell Gage and probably sp- uh, sprinkle in a little bit of, of Kyle Pitts there. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's just CPAT and, and Russell Gage for me. If Jared Goff is out, by the way, the Falcons DST is only 2,600 and I have a feeling they would be pretty popular here. The battle for draft picks. The Jaguars are at the Jets and this game is currently a pick 41 and a half point total, 46 degrees, but 16 mile per hour wins. It's not terrible, but you know, if we approach 20 plus mile per hour wins, I mean, that's that's where we really need to start pay, paying attention there. For the Jaguars, LaVisca Chenault, linebacker Miles Jack, offensive lineman Andrew Norwell did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, outside linebacker Josh Allen was limited. And then for the Jets, 13 players currently on the COVID list, including starting offensive lineman Elijah Vera Tucker uh, and their head coach Robert Sala. Jameson Crowder did not practice again on Thursday. James Robinson, he is 5,900. We talked about him quite a bit with like that core group of four running backs this week. He is 5,900, and Mike, I assume that we are all over that price tag. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, I think the most fascinating decision, you know, looking at everything this week and what the public is going to do is what they're doing with Robinson versus Madison now. Madison's obviously a little bit more expensive, but I think that we're probably, or most people are playing Jackson or Ronald Jones or both, and then maybe this third one in the flex. That's why I like playing double tight end so much. That's why I like some of those middle to higher tier wide receivers so much in tournaments this week because we can project that the majority of lineups are playing three of those four running backs, right? So I'm very interested to see, you know, closer to game time who everyone's leaning to. I'm guessing everyone is leaning towards James Robinson because we saw what he did last week. We saw the involvement. The price tag's lower. The matchup couldn't really get any better than it is against the Jets. So I like him. As far as my ultimate ownership and usage of uh, Robinson, it's really just going to come down to the simple equation of where the rest of the field is. And I'm going to, you know, if there's a drastic difference in ownership, I'm going to take the guy that is less popular. All right. Let's talk about the pass catchers here in this spot and uh, see ya. If... LaVisca Chenault is out. We should see condensed target share. Not that, you know, they're high-level targets coming from Trevor Lawrence, but Laquan Treadwell is 3500 They just refuse to raise his price. Not that he's doing anything crazy, but, you know, he's paying off that price tag every single week. Uh, and James O'Shaughnessy is at 3200 Would you have interest in either or both here against the Jets? Yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, definitely interested in James Robinson. But, yeah, I mean, Laquan Treadwell's price, it's just... It's just too low. I mean, let's talk about how what he did against the Texans. He had nine targets, six targets before that, five targets before that. He's been pretty efficient with the targets, by the way. I mean, he's, he's catching most of these targets. I I don't see a reason not to play Laquan Treadwell if, if you need a putt for 3500 I mean, that's it's just a great price. So between him and O'Shaughnessy, I think they're both great punts. I mean, obviously, I, I, I don't really envision a scenario where I play both. But now that I think about it, it is interesting Wow, talk about a leverage play. I mean, I guess you could play James Robinson with Trevor, but if you played Trevor with James O'Shaughnessy and Laquan Treadwell and just hoped 
somehow James Robinson didn't find his way in the end zone or, you know, some pass catching, that would be amazing. But I, I like all, all three of those players. I'm not going to play all three, but I'm definitely going to be peppering in O'Shaughnessy when I need the money, Laquan Treadwell when I need the money. And James Robinson, again, against the Jets with Carlos Hyde being on injured reserve. Let's not forget that, that there's really not a true backup to spell him. I think, I guess, Raquel Armstead is technically the guy behind him. I mean, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't get 20-plus touches. Mike, any interest in the Jets side of things here? We have Michael Carter, who is 5,200. And if Jamison Crowder is out, Keelan Cole is 3,300. And he ran the second most routes on the team last week. Don't do it. I speak from experience. Don't do it. I'm going to break the rule. And the rule is you must play a New York Jet somewhere across your portfolio of lineups each week. I will not be doing that. I talked about potentially playing Michael Carter. I am not going to do it. If you are a Michael Carter fan, I highly recommend playing him this week because he probably will score twice since I am not playing him (laughs) this week. Uh, But as far as the Keelan Cole trap, I have zero interest in that. Uh, just because I think there will be a Kansas City Chief involved. Um, I'd rather play Byron Pringle, 3,300. I'd rather play Nicole Hardman, 3,500, assuming one of Tyreek or Kelsey are out. I would rather play Josh Gordon for Kansas City if one or both of those guys are out. So count me out on the Jets, and congratulations, Jet fans. That means you're probably winning by 10. Oh, no. Come on, man. We want draft picks. We, we don't want wins. Uh, let's move on to the last game of the early slate. That is the Giants at the Eagles. The Eagles are nine and a half point favorites with a 40 and a half point total. Very similar to the Jets. Uh, 45 degree weather, but 16 mile per hour wins. So just make sure. Let's let's see where that th- those win numbers uh, wind up here by Sunday. On the Giants side of things, Saquon Barkley, Kyle Rudolph, Left tackle Andrew Thomas, defensive lineman Leonard Williams were all limited in practice on Thursday. And then for the Eagles, Miles Sanders did not practice on Thursday. Jordan Howard was a full participant. Uh, Sia, what is your interest level in one Jordan Howard at 4,300? We we just have so much running back value. And, and I'm saying it almost like I'm annoyed, but it's just like, is it too much? Is there too much value? I don't know. Well, I mean, if Jordan Howard is in the conversation, then maybe maybe we have a problem. I, I, <laughs> I actually don't mind Jordan Howard if we didn't have any value on this slate, but right. I can't really get there. I, you know, I don't know what if, – if Miles Sanders isn't playing, if he's inactive, then, then I could see Jordan Howard and Boston Scott having a pretty big role and, and Kenny Gainwell as well. So I'm really obviously worried about Miles Sanders at this point. It would be one thing if both Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard sat out practice, and, and that would be – that would be kind of one of those things. Well, they played on Tuesday. Let's they, they both got a lot of run last game, but clearly if Jordan Howard was a full practice and Miles Sanders wasn't, uh, that's that's a problem for Miles Sanders. So unfortunately now, because of the other value you know, on this slate, I, I just think I avoid really everything on the Eagles and Giants side of the ball. Uh, all right, Mike. Well, what do you think about... Uh, I think the only other consideration is if you want to play anything in, involving Jalen Hurts, and, and the obvious stack is you play him with, with Dallas Goddard. I mean, Goddard has been on fire recently, and you know Jalen Hurts is affordable. He's 6,400. Dallas Goddard now up to 5,100. Do you have any interest in that stack? I have interest in half of it. Uh, my interest is in Dallas Goddard. I'm not playing Jalen Hurts uh, just because the, the running backs have done so well there. Um, I think you could play Dallas Goddard. And the only reason really is because what we talked about earlier, we know the majority of lineups are playing three running backs this week. Like that flex spot is going to get hammered with running backs across the field this week. So because of that, if you like Mark Andrews, like Dallas Goddard has been doing a lot of what Mark Andrews has been doing. 
Uh, you know, back-to-back weeks with career highs in receiving yardage uh, for Dallas Goddard, getting targeted a lot. So, you know, the problem is this potential game script, right? They're here. They're against the Giants. We don't even know who's playing quarterback necessarily for the Giants yet, do we? Uh, maybe we do. Maybe we don't. But uh, Looks like Jake Fromm. Fromm's, yeah. I mean, look, they could see a lot of short fields. They could eat up some of the yardage that he could have the potential to get. So I, there are too many options on this slate at all the positions that I would want to be interested in. So... Total fade on this game for now, but the first piece for it would be Dallas Goddard, and it would be with a Mark Andrews lineup where I'm playing both of them. All right, let's get on to the afternoon slate. The Bears at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are six and a half point favorites with a 42 and a half point total for the Bears. Eight on the COVID list, including Allen Robinson. Justin Fields was limited at practice on Thursday for the Seahawks. Seven players on the COVID list, including Tyler Lockett and Will Disley recently added to the list there. Uh, DK Metcalf, Freddie Swain, Alex Collins were all limited in practice on Wednesday. I don't know that there's anything that I want to do in this game. Uh, see, I don't know if you feel differently when it comes to the Seahawks. The one that stands out to me is Gerald Everett, actually, because if Will Disley is, is on the COVID list, we don't have to worry about Disley, you know, stealing any routes or uh, targets from Gerald Everett. And Everett's only 3,700. And you know, he's been pretty reliable. He's got an 18% target share since Russell Wilson has returned. Uh, do you like Everett? Do you like anyone else on the Seahawks side of things? Well, good news for the Seahawks. This just broke. Lockett is active. He, okay. he did get activated from the COVID list. So that's that's good news there. And Lockett is always an interesting piece just as a one-off because we know what he can do with just two or three receptions. I mean, you can take two, you can take two out of three receptions to the house and, and, and just blow up the slate like he did a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know that I have much interest in him at 6,700. It's just kind of something, something just to note. I don't really like much in this game. I, I think both... Well, I shouldn't say that. On the Seattle side, I don't like much. I, I think... Going back to Penny is an interesting play. Again, I know we've talked about other running backs we like, but I think that might be an interesting play because it's going to be so low rostered. Outside of that, I'm just I'm not super interested. I'm not interested in a Wilson to Lockett or Wilson to Metcalf stack. I think that's an interesting contrarian stack. I just don't know that I'm going to get there. Keep in mind their implied total is almost 25. So, you know, Wilson to Lockett, if he connects twice, that that could really blow up the slate for you yet again. All right, we know we have that big four uh, group of running backs, the Ronald Jones, Jackson, Robinson, and Madison all projecting over 20% ownership as of now. The fifth highest projected is actually David Montgomery, who checks in at 18% ownership. Mike, how do you feel about Montgomery at this price tag? He's 5,700 on DraftKings. Uh, He's been catching the ball more recently, too. 23 touches, five receptions here in week 15. What do you think? Yeah, so I think that him catching the ball might be a little bit correlated with Justin Fields and the ankle injury, Um, and I could see that happening again. So I definitely don't hate it. I I think it's a really interesting pivot away from James Robinson. Uh, I think that's where I would start to look at doing it. However, for me, I'm going to be doing that with the Kansas City Chiefs running backs for the most part. So I'm mostly off. I'll tell you the only place that I'm getting this game as of right now is the Chicago Bears defense at 2,500. There are a few reasons for it, but... The timing is likely, I mean, not likely, it's been off for the Seattle Seahawks. Bringing Lockett back will certainly help a little bit. But one thing that we know about the Seattle Seahawks is they run like the fewest plays in the NFL. They run and operate at a snail's pace. That's typically good for keeping the scores low. It creates higher variance outcomes for the defense, but... 
look, I think that they're going to have time of possession battle. I think that the Bears can win the time of possession battle. So if they can limit some of those big plays at 2,500, I think that they're a candidate for a defense that can put up six to eight fantasy points, which you're like, okay, six to eight fantasy points, who cares? But at that price point with no one else playing them and you're not taking a zero essentially, I think you can do a lot worse. The punt defenses are kind of tough this week as you're basically looking at the Panthers against Tom Brady. You're looking at the Ram or the, the Vikings against the Rams. You're looking at the Texans against the Chargers. Like right next to that is Bears against Seattle. Uh, I think you could do a lot worse in terms of a punt defense. And and by the way, we saw how incredible they are at creating pressure. So, I mean, yeah. it just wouldn't shock me at all if they create some turnovers off of that pressure and get some sacks along with it. So I, I think that's a really smart play. See, do you still like Cole Komet? I know you mentioned him on our previous podcast. He's 3,300. He has five plus targets in eight of his last nine games. I love him. I think the only reason people aren't on him universally and the only reason his price isn't maybe in the 4,500 range is because he just isn't scoring the touchdowns. But we know just from doing this for so long that the variance there, it's just, it can be so random. And I know Jimmy Graham is getting some of those targets or has this season, but the way Cole Komet is getting peppered and trusted by Justin Fields, there's no reason to believe that trust is not going to translate into the red zone uh, sometime soon. So at 3,300, I think he's a huge bargain. Let's move on to the Steelers at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are eight and a half point favorites with a 45 point total here. And the Steelers have six players on the COVID list, including linebacker Devin Bush. Pat Fryermuth did not practice again on Thursday. And then for the Chiefs, they have 10 players on the COVID list, including Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It seems like there's still a chance that they're going to play. Mike, we were talking beforehand. It seems like the betting market, the way that this game is kind of being bet up on the Chiefs side of things. They're expecting one of those guys, maybe both of them, to return for this game. So let's just start there. Let's just say they make it back. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, how would you handle this game if they're in? If they're in, I'm mostly only interested in Deontay Johnson on the other side. If they're in, I'm probably off of the Chiefs' side, personally, uh, just because I I think they're expensive. and I'm getting mostly Baltimore-Cincinnati in my lineups this week, so... I'll probably be off of it if they're in. Um, if they're out, totally different story. Love the value of the three wide receivers, uh, which is going to be Byron Pringle first, then Michael Hardman, then Josh Gordon. I like all three of those. They're all playable. But where I really have interest is if they're out, because not only are they potentially out, Harrison Bucker, the kicker, is out as well. We could see two-point conversion attempts in this game. It could drastically change how they call plays in some of these third down situations and or potentially going for it on fourth and short, you have to consider that. And whenever you consider those situations, we want running backs who catch passes because that is what you do in those spots. I love Daryl Williams. 4,600, I love Daryl Williams. Maybe as a pivot from Ronald Jones, maybe in addition to, but if those two guys are out and they're not having a ton of success down the field to Byron Pringle, Michael Hardman, you're going to see a heavy dose of the two running backs. Daryl Williams is going to be in there catching passes like crazy. At 4,600, I think it's a super, super sneaky play. No matter how much we talk about it, no matter how much I pump it up, the industry is not going to buy into it. <laughs> They're just not. So we can talk about it all we want to here. Um, I love Daryl Williams. If those guys are out or if one of them is out, I'm absolutely playing them in tournaments. Maybe even my cash games, because you know I like to get a little crazy. <laughs> I know that in addition to Travis Kelsey, Blake Bell 
their backup tight end is on the COVID list as well. So that leaves Noah Gray as the last man standing. So if those other tight ends can't make it back and, and you're looking for a punt tight end, uh, Noah Gray is the minimum price on DraftKings. He is only 2500 See so yeah, how are you handling the Chiefs if those players are out in this game? If Kelsey and Tyree Killer out, do you have a wide receiver that you like? They're all uh, below 3500 I believe, in terms of price tag. Do you have any interest in a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Not really. I mean, it, honestly, it, just like Mike, I guess if, you know, I shouldn't say just like Mike, because I think if both of them are in, I might take some shots here because it doesn't look like, you know, for the first time in a long time, it doesn't look like there'll be much at all from an ownership standpoint uh, with Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyree Kill. So I'm happy to take some shots there, maybe a coming out party for that Kansas City offense. I mean, I know we saw it a few flickering of it a few weeks ago, but it still just it just doesn't look right. But against the Pittsburgh defense, I mean, you can run and pass against these guys. So um, if they're both healthy, I have interest. But I, I don't really have a ton of interest in this game. I think the Daryl Williams call is so interesting because I think what a lot of people are going to do, they're going to do sort of what we talked about, stacking some elite receivers in other games, you know, pay down running backs, that kind of thing. And then they're going to want a piece of this game because it's the Chiefs. And they're going to check the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire box. Because they're going to be like, well, I'll, I'll get clever here. I'll take the running game. We know we can run against the Steelers quite easily. Their yards per carry, I mean, that they're giving up. It's, it's just pretty insane, especially before contact. But Daryl Williams, of course, you know, he played 31% of the snaps last week. He got half the carries. And we know he is the pass catching back. So I think that's a really interesting play there. But yeah, not a ton of interest in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I, I I get the play. I just know I'm not going to get there. And if Tyreek Hill and Kelsey are out, I don't have any interest in in any of these receivers, to be honest with you, because I think the offense will be functioning you know, at just an even worse rate than we've seen consistently this season. Mike, you mentioned that you do like Deontay Johnson if Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are in. So does that... Do we assume that you you don't like him uh, if those guys are out in this game? Because I feel like he's just kind of a, a natural person to look at in cash games because he has such a safe floor. Yeah, so I do like him a lot. The price point is actually kind of prohibitive this week, uh, seventy five hundred. You know, we had weeks where he was what sixty five hundred, sixty seven hundred, sixty nine hundred. Like once you cross that like seventy three hundred range, it really, really, really starts to get more prohibitive. Um, I like him. I will have some of him. He's not going to work his way into like the optimal lineup as of now, but a lot of that is due to Mark Andrews, frankly, and that using that, that salary there. Uh, if you're not playing Mark Andrews, I would recommend getting someone like Deontay's floor in there. I expect him, you know, he, the opportunity is there no matter who's in on the Kansas city side, in my opinion, but the way this chief's defense is playing and the, the, the blueprint is out, right? The, the goal here is to, Put pressure on Ben instantly. You, you get after him. And that's what Kansas City is going to do. Spagnola is going to dial up the pressure here. They're going to be a little more aggressive defensively, especially if they're limited on offense. If that is the case, yeah, I love Deontay Johnson just because I think he has 15 targets in this game. Like the average depth of target might be three yards, but he's going to have targets in this game because Ben is going to have to get the ball out quick. I, I think that there's enough tape out there and I know how Kansas City plays. They're going to put as much pressure as they can. And if Ben's able to beat them under pressure, they're going to live with the result. But that's that's the game plan for Kansas City, for sure. See you real quick. Najee Harris is 7,400 and currently projecting at just 8% ownership. So uh, any love there in terms of like a contrarian running back play? 
No, if I'm going to go contrarian running back, I'll, I'll go up to Mixon or, or somebody like that. Najee is, is pretty low on my list at this point. All right, let's wrap up with the Broncos at the Raiders. This game is a pick with a 41.5 point total. Teddy Bridgewater is out. Drew Locke will start in this game. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, Albert O, and safety Kareem Jackson did not practice. And for the Raiders... Darren Waller, defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins, safety Jonathan Abram did not practice on Thursday, and then linebacker Denzel Perryman was limited here in this spot. I personally don't have much interest in this game. Uh, Mike, is there anything that really stands out to you? I know know, Hunter Renfro is someone we've been playing for a while now, but priced all the way up to 6,800. If there's no Darren Waller, you can look at a Foster Moreau who's just 3,600. What do you think about the Raiders side? Yeah, I really I can't get there. Um, you know what? I think both of the uh, the running backs on Denver are questionable. I expect them to both go. If for some reason one of them doesn't go, I think they're an okay pivot uh, away from like James Robinson again, frankly, or the the Alexander Madison share. But at that point, if I'm taking that shot, I truly would rather play Daryl Williams at you know his price point of forty seven hundred, save the. One thousand to thirteen hundred dollars, and get a little different in other spots, just because I, I think the risks are pretty similar uh, in those spots. So I have zero shares of this game as of now. All right, uh, see what do you think about the Broncos side? Drew Locke, maybe a more aggressive quarterback. We don't think that he's going to be as efficient as someone like Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I think maybe Noah Fan. I mean, he's forty four hundred, and you know he led the team in receiving a week ago, five catches for fifty seven yards. What do you think about the Broncos side? So here's the thing. I'm really excited about the Denver Broncos receivers because they have Drew Locke and he'll be slinging it. The problem is he'll be slinging it in negative game scripts. This is going to be a pretty competitive game. It's two kind of mediocre teams. I actually expect Denver to win kind of comfortably. I'm surprised the line is as tight as it is, even though it is at Vegas, so I kind of get it. But this isn't the type of atmosphere where I expect Drew Locke to go off and pepper Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick, Noah Fant. So it's a no for me now. Uh, in this game for the main slate on Sunday, but let's let's talk in a couple weeks and see if we have maybe a better game script for him because I think if you're a receiver for the Denver Broncos, you're probably pretty excited that Drew Locke is your quarterback right now, if we're being honest. All right, let's get to the Don's sneaky picks. It was a big week for the Don last week. Finished fifth in our TFS contest once again. That's two weeks in a row where he has finished exactly fifth in this contest. I was texting him earlier in the week. I said, you know, stop, stop stealing our money, man. What are you, what are you doing? Dude? <laughs> <laughs> I need it more than you do now. Uh, so yeah, he, he had some nice calls in terms of the sneaky picks as well. Let's see who the Don is going with in week 16. Hello, everyone. The Don here. To get started, I would like to wish everyone a safe and festive holiday. Last week's picks were very good. I hope some of you took my advice and used it and took the money to the bank. I did. This week, looking for a repeat, so the picks will be Tyler Johnson and Laquan Treadwell. And you could take that to the bank. I noticed my dad has some kind of an infatuation with banks. He likes taking money to banks. So uh, hopefully you guys did because he did last week. But Tyler Johnson and Laquan Treadwell, two sub 4K wide receivers. Uh, it seemed like, Sia, when we spoke about these guys earlier, you were more likely to play Treadwell than you were Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I, I don't mind Tyler Johnson, actually. I, I think Actually, I think those are both really great value plays. I just I think the expectation with all these receivers down for, from most people is like, well, Tyler Johnson's just going to swoop in and, and, you know, take Chris Godwin's role or, you know, just get downfield. And that 
he might get downfield, but he's he's not those receivers. So it's it's certainly not a replacement by any stretch. Maybe in a couple of years, Tyler Johnson will grow into that role, but he's certainly not there. But can he get deep and, and get a score? A hundred percent. The Week 16 Cheat Sheet, our favorite value, Chalk Contrarian, plus our favorite stack of the week. Mike, we will get started with you. All right, so value play. I'm going Antonio Brown. I'll update this if he doesn't play, but I'm fully expecting Antonio Brown to be out there for the Bucks at this point. So at 4,900, I, I think the price point is just simply too good to uh, to not have him in there. Um, and the reason for that is because I'm playing my chalk play, which is Cooper Cup. Uh, fade Cooper Cup at your own risk is one of my favorite things to hear. And I don't want to fade him. So I like Cooper Cup here. Uh, I think that there's also additional motivation for both him and Justin Jefferson in this game. It's no secret that these two are being talked about as the two best wide receivers in the football league. So I, I love Cooper Cup. You know, obvious statement, right? For my contrarian play, Jamar Chase. You may not think it's very contrarian. It's going to be contrarian at the price point just because of Cooper Cup and the way rosters are going to be built this week. We know where the value is. We know who everyone's playing. I can tell you it's still going to be a pretty contrarian play. So give me Jamar Chase. As I mentioned, the Ravens have 12 active, healthy players on their defense. You need 11 to field the team. Uh, good luck. And then for my stack on the other side, because of all of that and the game script, Give me Tyler Huntley to Mark Andrews. We're going to continue to play that there. We will update if Lamar Jackson end up ends up playing. I don't think he ends up playing in this spot. I think Huntley is playing well enough that there really isn't a significant downgrade from Lamar. So I think they're going to let Lamar get healthy and not get seriously injured in this spot. Huntley to Mark Andrews. All right. Uh, and just for those worrying, uh, wondering about Jamar Chase at 7,100, currently checking in at 6-7%. Uh, projected ownership. So, uh, yeah, not not as much as as you might normally think when it comes to Jamar Chase. See ya. You're up. Your favorite value, chalk, contrarian, and stack. Yeah, value play is going to be, this is kind of a boring one, I'll admit it. It's not one of the sexy value running backs or receivers. Mm-hmm. It's Cole Komet at 3,300. Again, it's just one of those guys that he doesn't have tremendous upside, but I think at that price, I, I think you're looking at five to seven targets minimum for him. And, and these days, it's looking like he's going to turn those targets into something, including potentially a touchdown finally. Chalk play is Ronald Jones at 5,100. I don't think we need to get into that too much. I still don't think Tom Brady and company really trust Ronald Jones, but I think they might have to because Keyshawn Bond, when he came in, to spell Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette last week, he didn't really look that great. So I think it is going to be the Ronald Jones show. Uh, contrarian play, this might not sound contrarian to some people, and maybe it should have been my value play, but Gabriel Davis, because of all like the Antonio Browns, we talked about it earlier in the show, his ownership percentage right now is well under 5% at two different places that I've looked. It's it's actually more like in the 2 to 3% range. So again, it's it doesn't seem like a great matchup, but with all the attention being on Stefan Diggs, I do see a scenario where Gabriel Davis gets loose again, just like he did last week. Stack, I don't need to get into it too much. That Vikings secondary isn't very good. Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup are very good. That's my favorite stack. All right. I'm going to bring us home here and my favorite value play on the week and someone who could be considered a chalk play as well. Justin Jackson, he is 4,200. Austin Eckler currently on the COVID list. They have that amazing matchup going up against the Houston Texans. Chalk play, James Robinson, again, one of those big four running backs this week. Going to garner a lot of ownership. Someone I'm definitely looking at in cash games. He's 5,900. Expect 15 to 20 touches once again in a just fantastic matchup against the New York Jets. Contrarian play, Stefan Diggs. I mean, much like Jamar Chase, you hear Diggs' name and, and you don't often uh, just 
associate him with, with low ownership, but currently projecting at 5.4% ownership in that matchup against the Patriots, which should be a competitive game, a really, really important game in terms of the standings. And we know what Stefan Diggs' upside could be. So at 7,600, I do like him as a contrarian play. And then a stack for me, the low-hanging fruit, that will be Justin Herbert, 7,200, to Keenan Allen, 7,700. The Chargers with the highest implied team total on the slate, right around 28 points going up against the Houston Texans here. Uh, maybe it turns into some kind of onslaught, but uh, I think in order to uh, have that lead and play with that lead, you know, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen are going to do a lot of damage, and then hopefully we get Justin Jackson there cleaning it up. We're going to wrap there. For Sia and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today DFS. Make sure to check out our uh, Saturday Slate podcast, which will be in your feed on Friday afternoon. It's already up on YouTube as well. After that, we'll be back again on Tuesday to recap the entire week's worth of action. We will see you there.